Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Kirk Enterprise. Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Sailing frequencies open, sir. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to uh, the newest episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hoffman, and Brian the Engineer is right here. Hello, Brian. Hey, Jordan. How are you? I, I'm doing great because we just watched the new episode of Discovery. You're doing okay because you got some con crud. You went to New York Comic Con and did. you're feeling sick. Yes, I am, I'm not feeling so great, but I am I'm pumped from the episode and I will power through it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I took a lot of notes this week. Um, and I just want to let the audience know we are not on deck 44 this week, are we? No, we are not. We are recording no. on location. <laughs> We're on location, and you, you know, and like much like a Lieutenant Stamets and his spore drive, that can almost have a, a ship exist in two locations at simultaneously, as it zips across time and space. That's how this episode is because we're both at home, and if uh, the, um, the you know it's funny podcasts. Uh, streaming service, all access. You would think this is a very high-tech operation. The lo-fi workaround we've done <laughs> that you have concocted, Brian. You truly are a this MacGyver is, of podcasts. This is my version of the sport, the sport drive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't get into the how we're recording this, but if you saw an image of me on my couch in Queens, New York, with a thousand wires all over the place... Speaking into a tell, uh, you know what? I don't even want to get into it. I don't even want to get into it. But you know, that's the way it's got to be done, Brian. As you know, because we want to get this uh, this um, material to the listeners as soon as possible once the show is available on streaming on CBS All Access. Yes. But when the marketing department is so paranoid about letting even people on the same team like you and I look at the show ahead of time, it means we're watching it with the fans, which is nice. Because I like seeing it with the fans. I don't, you know, I am one of the fans. You are one of the fans. As am I, yes. And it's great to be with the fans watching the show. It's a little bit of a pain in the ass when it's 9.30 at night when we're trying to get the podcast together. But you know what? As they say, heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? (laughs) So with great power comes great responsibility. 
and that means um, we gotta we gotta hustle a little bit. So that's my that's my commentary for tonight. Now the other thing is. I am ready to say the following statement, and I want to know, Brian, we have not talked at all about tonight's show. No, we have not. I'm going to say episode four is the best episode yet. Uh, yeah, I will, I, will, I will agree with that, yes. I think it's getting better as we go. We're learning more about the characters, and it's just I am so into it. And uh, I'm also glad, it's kind of funny, just when I started to remember Landry's name. I was like, what is her name again? What is her name? Oh, it's Landry. I finally got Landry because it was a joke all last week. I couldn't remember her name. Yes. I finally remembered Landry's name and now she's dead. So you, you can't <laughs> forget you it. Go. You can't forget it sitting on a little screen, you know, going over a corpse. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's gone for now. So that was one of two moments during the show, and, and we'll deep dive through it, but two moments where I f- actually just went, oh, shit. I just, you know, literally yelled out the oh, shit. Yes. As if I was, you know, I, as if I was in, in the, in you know, in a screening room full of friends or something, even though I was by myself, I shouted out an oh, shit. What about you? I know uh, I know exactly the other one that you yelled oh, shit for, because I probably did, too. <laughs> what was that? Uh, it's a little later on. You want to wait till we wait till we get to it, or no, no. I'm curious if it was the same one. Um, the Klingons. When we first see the Klingons, they said, uh, you know, they're they're for six months, and yeah. they're, they're kind of scavenging, and they <laughs> talk about that they ate Captain Georgia. They <laughs> they picked that, her, that, her skull clean. <laughs> I think that was more of a whoa. I, I don't think I I didn't actually shout. Oh shit! I just went like, did I read that right? I, did I? Did I, I literally right? wrote "whoa" next to it, my note for that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I shouted "oh shit" when Lorel stabbed Vok in the back. Yes, but then reversed herself. Maybe who knows what Lorel is thinking? Maybe Lorel's playing both sides. But let's let's uh, let's go to the beginning here. Um, and first of all, I love that we finally got. First of all, the name of this episode: "The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry." Yes. What what is that a reference to? Is that reference to Lorca and his and his and his attitudes about getting the job done? Uh, is he uh, is it an attitude toward exploiting this sort of uh, microscopic uh, bug at, by putting nipple clamps on him and <laughs> making I thought him the same thing. drive um, the uh, the ship? Who is the lamb in this case? Uh, I I definitely think the lamb is the the bug. Um, and yeah. the the butcher is a joint of Lorca's directive to weaponize it, and Landry's insistence of um, you know pushing Burnham to to do that and not indulge her scientific curiosity. So we're the butcher. They are the butcher, and the lamb is the the bug, the ripper. All right, that the ripper, which is called a tardigrade, which is a real thing. Do you yes. know what a tardigrade? Have you ever, yeah? If you Google tardigrade, you go. I've seen that thing before. It looks like a brown. Um, it looks like uh, like a tarp, like a hefty bag, but like made of tarp. Oh wow! Um, and it's got it's got like a pig face and like a snout, and it's um, these are microscopic things, and they're real. Uh, and they're like when you put them under a you know a, a, a highly powered microscope, they look kind of like what this thing looks like. You yes. Know? So I, I um, guess our our big question is how did that thing get so big? <laughs> and I, was it initially I, yeah. that big? Yeah, maybe it was. Gr- I think it was. I, I don't know. There's a lot about the spores I don't understand. Let's get to the spores here. in a minute, though. Sure. I want I want to say um, the opening of this episode 
was one of the f- kind of coolest little like visual sight gags um, in in pretty much any Star Trek opening. There's one of the, I think it's, oh, I forget if it's First Contact or if it's, um, yes, I guess it will be the beginning of First Contact as you see something spinning through space and then you realize it is a bottle of champagne and it's it's being it's christening the new ship uh the enterprise e yes uh and it's of course a bottle of chateau picard which is nice (laughs) i'm pretty sure it was first contact it may have been in in, uh, insurrection if it is i apologize but i'm pretty sure it's first contact um and this you know the first shot is we see you know electricity blue you know uh, micro you know organisms or something and just weird kind of special effects flying around we're going what the hell's going on and it seems to be building to a crescendo and the quote-unquote camera pulls back and we reveal aha this is burnham creating her uniform in the replicator so yes. we have now seen matter uh, born into existence we got a matter pov which is like you know, I remember the first time we saw a transporter shot from the POV. I think it was the Barclay episode where Barclay is, uh, he, he encounters the, um, uh, the, the people that are trapped inside the transporter. And we get to kind of see what it looks like to go through the transporter, the haze of that. Now we have seen the haze from the inside of the spontaneously <laughs> generated matter inside the replicator. And I, I Which was say, really cool. Yeah, it was very cool. And I'm, I'm still so impressed by the visuals of this this show. It, it is like... It it is practically movie quality, to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know that that shot uh, specifically, um, but also a lot of the um, action stuff during the end when they save the 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 dilithium base on planet blah 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 nine or I forgot what it was called, but uh, yeah, that was really nifty. So that already just put a smile on my face because, you know, they're they're. Uh, you know, it, 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 it kind of impressed me that the writers of this show, um, who many of whom we've talked to on on this podcast, and we certainly talked about, are definitely trying to, you know, really kind of work within the Star Trek that we know, but also do something new, like yeah, a fresh take. You on know, it. It, yeah, they want to do a fresh take, but it's also it's got to spring from something that is essentially Star Trek, like Star Trek fans kind of want to know more about the replicator you know the replicator was something that in tos they never really talked about it you know they got their lunch out of a food slot you know and then sort of crept into conversation the replicator the replicator and then toward the end of uh, voyage or whatever it was being used a little bit of a narrative crutch and then if you read the books it's like there's so much stuff going on with the replicator but you know it's something to be fascinated about how would a replicator work so it's clearly that you know they kind of had scratching their heads how do we make this you know how do we make this new show visually cool but also talk about stuff that people want to talk about and it's like well what about an opening shot from inside the replicator that's never been done before so i just thought that was really nifty and then uh, and she's got no rank so she's got no little delta shield on her chest but uh she um uh the 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 next cool thing is that she has a little bit with um Saru but before that uh Cadet Tilly shows up and gives her um oh the container Philippa yes Giorgio's yeah the um her last uh, will which she puts away and Tilly you know I just want to say I hear I just congratulated the writers I have to now scold them they mistake the word they said less when they meant fewer uh. Tilly was mumbling <laughs> and she said uh, less words and the correct grammar is fewer words but <laughs> One could counter Brian and say, 
that that is actually in Tilly's character because she's nervous. So she yes. would make that very common uh, diction error. So I, I would have made that thinking. error because I didn't notice it. <laughs> there are times, yeah, well, I, that's one of my pet peeves is uh, correcting <laughs> people when when they say uh, less and they mean fewer. I, I, I do my best to keep it within, but sometimes I got to let it out. So, <laughs> um, But it was cool. But then, then there's the bit with Saru, and what did we find out? The little... Uh, <laughs> What do you want to call them? The, the little fins that come out of his the neck. The gang- ganglia, I believe they call they them. They have a name now. They yes. have a name now. Yeah, threat ganglia. <laughs> and what? And he basically said, what they didn't do, I would bet you there's a draft. Draft six of the script is like, he says, well, they have a mind of their own. But they realized <laughs> it would be too lame to leave that in. But, yeah. um, but it was really cool. And it's set up so nicely because we see them in episode two. Uh, when the battle starts, we see them again on episode three when the ship leaves, but she's not on it, and somehow he knows. And then we see it on the elevator or the turbo lift, pardon me. And then at the end, she uses it as like a canary in the coal mine to yes. like test out the ripper, the bug. And uh, that was, I just thought, really sharp. You know, that was like, you know, that's that's pretty good stuff. So, yeah, I dug the threat ganglia. And then they get to the bridge, and they're doing, like, maneuvers. They're doing drills because, you know, there's the Klingons are kill- shooting them, but nobody's actually dying. And there's a lot of cutaways to the crew. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the crew because some of these faces we've seen before and some of them we haven't. Yes. <laughs> so the woman named Kayla, who was on the Shenzhou, is back. And she's up front in, like, a checkoff or Sulu-type position, right? Yeah, she's front um, left. Yeah, she's front left, so she's, uh, you know, that was where Data would sit. So, you know, she's important, whoever the heck, whatever the specific, you know, they don't have assigned seats, so you never know exactly who's (laughs) sitting there. But she is clearly important, and she's got that facial, um, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, I guess a plate in her face. Yeah, which which we all assume is, you know, result of the battle. uh, Right, the battle of the binary stars. Yes. as, and and so she's up there, and then there are a couple others. First of all, there's like cool, there's like cool white guy. I don't know who he is, but they keep cutting <laughs> him. But like cool white guy with good hair. Do you know who that? Like he kind of looks like a young, uh, a young uh, Jim Brolin. James, which is the son? James, uh, James uh, Brolin. James Brolin. Yeah, I can see that. Jim Brolin is a fuck. He's like a young James Brolin, or like a like a like a. Dermot Mulroney type, like <laughs> I don't think he's had any lines yet, but he's like no. in the back, and he's just like, "Hi, I'm I'm, I'm like a handsome guy. How you doing? <laughs> I'm real handsome." So they got him. Then there's the woman cyborg face that we saw in the last episode. Yes, there was a nice close up of her, and she gets a line now. And, I don't think I picked um, up on that. It's during the during the chaos of that battle. Okay, she's like, uh, shields are at thirty three percent, and had like kind of a kind of a metallic sound in her voice, right? Yes. So I don't know what the character's name is yet, um, uh, but she definitely was one of the people shouting orders. There was also a very young African-American woman in the front somewhere. I don't think she said anything yet, um, but there were some reaction shots of her looking worried as, as you know, fake Klingons were destroying their ship. But then, in the background, there was this dude... Did you see this guy? He looked like... Yeah, it was a big, big old alien head. I can't even describe what it looked like. But <laughs> well, I it took looked a cool. snapshot. 
I took a snapshot. Hold on. Let me let me uh let me look at my own let me look at my stuff here. I took a snapshot and um Yeah. So Oh and and, and Mr. Cool is behind him. So this yes. dude, mystery dude is behind him. So it kind of looks like the head is like the shape of like a like an upside down pear or like a <laughs> maybe like a tulip or like a garlic bulb is what he looks like. And he's got like red and orange and pink and he's got like I don't know, like kind of like holes for breathing and eyes all over the place. And uh, the immediate question, and I have to, I, 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 t- I took a snapshot and put it on Twitter, and immediately my colleague, Mr. Glenn Kenny of the New York Times and various other esteemed outlets, uh, wrote back, How does he put on his shirt? And, and he <laughs> makes a very good point <laughs> because I don't know how he puts on his shirt. Now, the answer is zippers. You know, luckily these shirts all have zippers. It does so, look like uh, they have zippers, yeah. But uh, so this dude, and also has big hands too. This guy's got big hands. Oh, that I didn't notice. Crazy have crazy nails. We really saw a lot of Klingon nails in the next uh, bit. So anyway, this dude, and he's wearing silver, so he's science station. I love you. I need to know more about you. John Van Sitters, if you're listening, we need more information on this guy. Um, He is great. I don't know what's going on with this guy. Uh, So that's my favorite guy of the day. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just great, though, really, because... um, it, 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 even more so than in the recent films, which had a staggeringly high budget, the cutaways to aliens were were like okay. Like in Star Trek 2009, they go to the bar and there's that like kind of a dude, that Ron Perlman-ish looking dude in between Kirk and Uhura when they first meet. And that guy's all right, you know? But all, every new alien that we've seen in the background or like on the bridge that hasn't really spoken yet or we haven't been introduced to yet, they're all really, really cool. So... Yeah, I, I definitely was, hope they keep, they keep doing more of that. Even though it's still kind of strange that we've never seen these aliens before and, and it's in the past, but that's okay. I keep, keep them coming. Yeah, well, we haven't seen hologram uh, hologram uh, Skype calls, and we haven't <laughs> seen uh, ever, and the bridge looks different, but uh, that's that's life. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Engage, Engage. the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. So then the next big moment for me was uh, Lorca. uh, It kind of gives Burnham her assignment, which is to, you know, we got this monster figure out what makes him tick. And here's what I thought was interesting. I want to talk to you about this because, you know, as, as a viewer, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what is up with Michael Burnham because I, I know, you know, we wouldn't be having the show about her if she wasn't a good person, you know, and she was, she had a trauma as a child. She was raided by Vulcans. Then she was living, uh, uh, she was working in the Federation under Giorgio for seven years. So she's a woman of two worlds. But she has, you know, uh, an ethical 
North Star. Like, she knows what's right, even though she may have screwed up that one time. Um, and she's been kicking herself for six straight months. You know, she blamed herself for the death, and she blamed herself for the war, and she's yet to speak up for herself. And so here's the thing. Lorca, I think, thinks Burnham is someone different than she is. Lorca is like, Burnham, I want you on my ship because only you get me. He doesn't say this. I'm sort of reading between the lines. Yes, I agree. But he's saying, he's saying, all of my, you know, this is a ship full of scientists, and damn it, we're at war, and I'm a warrior, and I need warriors, and thank God you're here because you're one of my kind. Yeah. And Burnham, I think, is thinking, am I? Is that really what I am? Like, I think she doesn't quite know. She doesn't She doesn't say heck no because she... Um, you know, she doesn't she's she doesn't want to fight. She's still in the I I don't you know, when we first met her at the beginning of episode three, she didn't care about anything. When it looked like that shuttle was gonna crash. Yeah, those she was other calm, three prisoners, calm as all can be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The other three prisoners are freaking out and she was like, I don't care. What am I gonna do? Get killed? What so what? You know? Completely passive. No uh no real uh complaints. But um, you know, she really knew uh but now uh, Lorca is a little bit more like, hey, um, I want you to be an ends justifies the mean type of guy, type of person. He thinks that he knows uh, what time it is. <coughs> and speaking of knowing what time it is, Brian. What time is it? <laughs> you would know what time it was if you had an MVMT movement watch. Yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know about movement watches? Uh, I, I think I've heard about them before, but I'd definitely be interested in, uh, and like to hear some more. Movement watches, and they are cool enough to sponsor this show. So I'm going to stop talking about Discovery for a minute and just tell you that these watches uh, were founded on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. Watch The watchmaker's goal is to change the way consumers think about fashion by offering high-quality, minimalist products at revolutionary prices. And when you go to the website... You see a lot of really slick, modern, but classic and stylish-looking watches, and you would think to myself, man, those look great. They're probably $300, $400, $500. Bucks. They're not. They're, they start at $95. They are um, made for, for, you know, there's sort of a small company, independent group that put this together. They were two guys in their college dorm room, you know, like the, like the Facebook guy. It's like the Facebook of watches is what yes. movement watches. Two guys in their in their in their in their in their college dorm they couldn't afford cool watches so they made their own they knew style so they knew style and they knew what they wanted and they said i'm not going to find it in the marketplace i'm going to build it myself kind of like um like uh lorca when he's like i need to find out how to teleport an entire ship across space and time i'm going to do it myself with spore drives and uh, like a microscopic bug and i even though i don't really understand it but that's cool so dig this, and then I'll stop talking about it. Uh, if you go to um, mvmt.com slash engage, mvmt.com slash engage, you'll get 15% off of what you see, plus free shipping, plus free returns. And the watch has a really clean design that makes a great fashion statement. Now is the time to step up your watch game. Get rid of that Seiko and go movement. <laughs> so go to mvmtwatches.com slash engage. mvmtwatches.com slash engage. And uh, you will get 15% off free shipping uh, and free returns. Although who's going to want to return it? Only a crazy person. Um, cool. So that was um, 
So after all that action, we had our first act break. Thank God, right? Because we need it. I'm going to take a drink of water. Hold on. This is exciting. <laughs> then we got back to our Klingons. And, you know, we didn't see them in episode three. And uh, Yes, yeah, so I, I, we were talking about that last episode that we, we were kind of wondering how they'd be integrated into the show, you know, on a week-to-week -week basis. And yeah. I, I was definitely surprised by how, how it went. So... Yeah, no, it was interesting, especially like the main Klingons. So Vok and Lorel and everybody else on that sarcophagus ship. All the other Klingons are sort of united. You know, Takuvma has united the 24 and they're fighting the Federation. But ironically enough, the quote unquote torchbearer, uh, who is, uh, you know, uh, Takuvma's, uh, you know, chosen successor. One, successor is, we've discovered for six months, floating. In space, kind of like how Burnham was floating psychologically in space. They're floating in space looking for, a, 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 you know, dilithium crystals. They're looking to, to, to move. They've been damaged by the ship, by the, by the battle, and the ship isn't going anywhere. And their people are starving. And it's kind of wild. But um, Vok is still, Vok is still very dedicated to his cause. And we finally got to we got some really good scenes with Lorel. Yeah, and, she definitely uh, st stood out a lot more this episode. I love her. I love her. She's awesome because you don't know what she's thinking. She's yeah. Is she, in fact, loyal, or is she mercurial and opportunistic? And we don't know. We don't know. We think that she's loyal, and then later she 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 and she even says something when. Um, they're, when they go, they decide to go back to the Shenzhou to find some uh, old, uh, you know, warp stuff. And um, she, like, it's like, is she coming on to him? Is she not coming on? To yeah, him? no, I, I, I saw some <laughs> some uh, some Klingon romance signs there. Uh. <laughs> a little bit. A I mean, bit. she didn't like lip snarl or anything like uh, Klingons of old would do, but she. She uh, and I gotta say, you know, underneath all that makeup, she's an attractive woman. That Mary <laughs> Chifo, I'll tell you. So uh, it was—it's uh, a great scene. And then, um, and that, but before they left, there there is uh, the other guy, Cole, uh, who's now got. I didn't. Well, we only saw him in a hologram. Form Correct. Yeah, he was. Thus far. Uh, yeah, we we saw him for that one scene, and that was it so far in the second episode, right. I believe. And, and now he, so he has sort of like a red markings on his face. And I don't know if that's from battles or if that's a recent thing or I just didn't catch it when when they were in hologram form. But uh, uh, it looked cool. You know, it looked wild. And um, he wins. He wins uh, Vokes people over with uh, with chicken. Right? <laughs> Look more like shrimp to me, but yes, he, he... no, she definitely. No, 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 no. Lorel definitely like grabs like a chicken leg and chomps <laughs> into it. Which is funny because if you're gonna go like the the if you're gonna go the bird route, it should have been like one of those monster turkey legs from Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like maybe I mean, but no, definitely at first when you see the food, it looks like seafood, which I thought was funny because when um, Lorca's in the ship uh, and he gets interrupted by an admiral, he is eating what looks like crab legs. Yeah, uh, yeah, it looked like some kind of seafood or crab leg or squid yeah. or something like that. Yeah, so maybe he, maybe this is a sign that he and the Klingons are somehow in cahoots because they like the same food. I don't know. Possibly, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think we got a little bit ahead of ourselves because uh, we got to learn a lot more about uh, 
um, the spore drives and that little guy on the ship now, um, which is the uh, tardigrade, the ripper of the tardigrade. Yes. Which, um, you know, uh, it's funny because there was a little bit of um, in episode either one or two, I forget which one, when I think it was two, when Burnham uses Kirk-like uh, mental uh, gymnastics to trick the computer to into letting her out of the to brig. Escape the uh, the brig, yes. Yeah, so it's like it's like kind of like little 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 homages to the original series. This sequence reminded me a whole lot of the episode "The Devil in the Dark" with the Horta, the silicon-based alien that leaves the eggs that the miners um, are, you know, accidentally killing the eggs or killing the children. So the Orta is killing the miners and there's the famous no kill eye and the, you know, Spock does a mind meld. And it just sort of reminded me of, uh, you know, this beast. And there's also a physical resemblance too. They're kind of this, these sort of like round low to the ground creatures, um, are, you know, they are, they, there's definitely a, a, a mirror there between the, the, the Horta and this tart with Ripper because, um, you know, uh, Burnham quickly discovers that this thing is not uh, aggressive. It's not you know, a weapon, every, yeah. It's not a weapon. Every time it has attacked a person, it's done so out of self-defense. Even though it's still a little unclear what the heck it was doing on the Glen and how it got out and how it killed the Klingons and whatnot, it's still it's still a little bit uh, mysterious. Um, they're not 100% sure what it was doing there, how it got there. But uh, the punchline is, and it's kind of great, weird sci-fi. The punchline is that this weird spore drive, which we know is doomed to never work because it doesn't exist in later science in later Star Trek lore. Uh, this weird thing is somehow it it folds space. It's sort of like this the spice from dune or it you don't really know how it works or if it's conduits or if it's the infinite improbability drive from the hitchhiker's guide you know where you're <laughs> everywhere at once it's a little bit unclear but so like you know it's fine i mean i'm sure if i really really thought about it i could figure it out but what i love is that it somehow uses spores that exist all over the galaxy to somehow connect different spots in space time and you need a guide to, to help you manipulate it. and well, A supercomputer you need. Well, a supercomputer. So the supercomputer being a biological brain and the brain being these little, you know, what in, exist in life, the tar, tar, tardigrades are these little sub-microscopic things, you know, quantum-sized creatures. And if they are the ones that hold the key to higher dimensional existence, which... I think, and I'm, I get a little fuzzy when I start talking quantum mechanics, but I have tried to read one or two books about it. There is a little bit of truth to that, or at least I shouldn't say truth. There are scientists who have theorized that it's in the, the realm of the very small where higher dimensions will, you know, will exist. Now, why is this tardigrade big, and why is putting just sort of like nipple clamps on him gonna power it up <laughs> to the computer that's kind of ridiculous i mean that was like real that was just, that was just dumb like i'm kind of with it so far but like anthony raps like 
quick, you know, just put him in the room. And well, they had a great line. It's like, the machinery knows what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't even, um, it wasn't like they had to figure it out. Like this machine that they couldn't get to work, it sensed that the bug was in there and just. Yeah, just, it, know, it was a little <laughs> convenient that that machine was sitting in there as they, they moved it over and it wasn't really tested before they used it. But um, to go back to the the origin of this th- this uh, the the Ripper, uh, I I kind of had the feeling that they found it is a, is a microscopic organism and they enlarged it for the for this purpose. Um, yeah. How they did that, I'm not really sure yet. But I'm, I kind of I, I feel like it's not an accident or it's not a naturally occurring thing. Um, I'm with you. I think that's a really good theory, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's if that's how it goes down. I'm really not because that sort of explains, you know, they they said it was in with their stash of spores. Well, in their stash so of mushrooms. Came, yeah. So somebody somehow embiggened it. And when it got embiggened, it, it caused a fuss. So. Because they, they, they don't grow their spores. They harvest them from other places. So that's why <laughs> it probably hitched a ride. They found it and they made it, made it bigger. I love that it's all spores. I love <laughs> that it's all spores because spores is such a great legacy on star trek like you know spores you know just sort of spat all over spock's face and this side of paradise and made him <laughs> logical and he fell in love and you know just spores in general like you know day of the triffids and all that stuff just like oh, just you know it's just funny that like here's this big endeavor you know our overlord cbs you know they're making such a big gamble on streaming and all access and star trek and bringing it back and all this money and what are they going to hang it on? They go, well, ladies and gentlemen, I give you spores. And it's like this ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, we should have known better thing. being that they, they made a big point to call out um, Stamets as a, uh, right. what, what is his <laughs> what is his title? Uh, he is a, a, a Xeno, not Xeno, astromycologist. Yeah, astromycologist, yeah. yes. You know, the real Paul Stamets is a, is a real person. He is an actual m- mushroom expert. Really? Yeah, there is a guy. Yeah, he he is a real guy. We got to get him on the show. I think you've actually His mentioned that is, in an earlier episode. Yeah, Paul. There is a real Paul, Paul Stamets. Stamets. Okay, and he is you know he's at you know whatever important university that studies these things, and if you you know if you slap his name into Google, the first one that comes up is a picture of him holding a giant mushroom. You know, it's just and he looks like an awesome guy. So. Huh. <laughs> So, yeah, that's the spore drive. So, no, I don't really understand it, but I love that, like, you know, Lorca's on the bridge, like, damn it, we need more spores. And he's like, coming right up, sir. He's got a big jug of spores <laughs> and throws it into the machinery. So it's it's pretty great. Uh, and then um, uh, what happens is, uh, what the heck happens? How does, uh, so, yeah, there's a fight. They get the, they go to the, they do their jump because they got to save this uh you know, whatever the hell it is. Colony, uh, Corvin 2, I want to say. Corvin 2. Yeah, I like that. Uh, they do a uh, a jump, and uh, Stamets gets injured. He bangs his head, you know. You always oh, yeah, see that, guys looked, on that looked pretty, pretty nasty. Yeah, you always see guys on Star Trek, like, you know, sparks fly up, and they fall from their station. Well, here we got to see the repercussions. He really yeah. banged his face up, and he had to go down, and he went to the doctor, and the doctor gave him a nice diss. Uh, he said, if you don't stand still, you're going to look like a Tellarite, which I thought was nice. <laughs> so behind the scenes, that doctor is supposed to be his boyfriend. Like, yes, I, I, I got that vibe this time. Uh, and I, I know I said otherwise with the, uh, the, the, his fellow colleague on the, uh, the Glen, but I definitely think yeah. you're right. Well, the, I mean, that's, that's just from what I know about the castings. That that's the guy. 
uh, didn't come up in this episode. It was all business. Uh, Star Trek did not break any uh, any uh, boundaries on episode four, uh, but maybe we'll see where it goes. We did not see a moment of uh, of familiarity between the two because it was they were in the middle of a battle. They didn't have time for any for anything else. But yeah. um, that was and the guy. And I'd like the to doctor point out was too- fun, you know. I'd like to point out that uh, while we were watching, my wife jumped up like, "Oh my God, it's Ricky from my so-called life!" And that was the <laughs> that, that was the most exciting part of the show, the episode to her. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, he's and he was the doctor, and he was a good doctor. You know, he got he told him to stand still. He's gonna look like right, and then Lorca came in and read him the riot act, and Stamets stood. Up, you know, Stamets is you know he's a there was a little bit of that tension between. Military and science, you know, which is a recur- now a recurring theme, a theme that has already existed in Star Trek. I mean, that's what Wrath of Khan, you know, that, you know, certainly, uh, uh, you know, David uh, Kirk's son versus is all about that. Uh, so it's a little bit of the of the science versus military and um, Lork and statements puts up a good show. You know, he's saying this is not what I signed up for. I'm going to leave. I'm going to take my spores, which is even he's like, taking no, my spores. we own those things. Yeah, and then Lorca said, listen, do you want to be a, sh- a schmo? Do you want to be a guy who didn't make uh, a drive work, or do you want to be known as, and this is a great line, said, do you want to be said in the same breath as the Wright brothers, Elon Musk, and um, Zephyr Cochran, Cochran. <laughs> <laughs> which was like, you know, it's funny, because Star Trek always is the funny thing of doing two you know and one you don't. Yes. Um, uh, but this time it was three we know, because we know that from Gochran. The kind of the, the funny one was Elon Musk. It's like, oh, <laughs> yes. Elon Musk is that important? Yeah, I thought like, that was a little strange, but I'll, I'll go with it. Well, it was two things. Either A, one of the producers is friends with Elon Musk, or B, uh, Elon Musk cut him a check, or C, it was like kind of a, you know, it's kind of a zing. It's like, Elon, you got to get your act together. Like, these Tesla cars are cool, but, you know, you, you have now big shoes to fill. You got to be as big as the Wright brothers and Zephyr Cochran, so I thought that was hilarious. But um, yeah, and then after that, uh, they try to do their jump again, and then uh, what's her name? Taylor, Taylor Palmer. I forgot, good, I've forgotten her name. Or the one who dies. Uh, the, I can't remember her name. I have such a mental. The one block. who died. Wait, the only one that died was was Landry. Landry, <laughs> I called her Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah. So Landry goes and says, "We gotta weaponize this bug, like an idiot." And like I was thinking to myself, you know, when Burnham is clearly like, "This is a bad idea. Do not, do not open this cage." What are you thinking? Like, first of all, how is Landry's out of her mind? Like, she thinks like getting the claw is gonna help build a weapon. Like yeah, now, like it the seems very, one... very short sighted. Yeah, like right now, the number one issue is getting the jump drive to work. Like you got to get the spore drive up before you can even worry about that. You know, like why does it have to be done immediately? There are people in Corvin two that are about to about to get murdered. That nice little kid who's crying, mommy, mommy. You know, what about <laughs> her? And but Landry's like, no, we got to do this right now. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, how awesome would it be if this monster just chomped her head off? <laughs> I'm like, ah, that's and pretty close. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. And then it picked her up and flung her across the room. And I was like, good. Now, I, I like that actress. I mean, she was on Battlestar. I like her a lot. Yeah. And I like the character. Like, she was tough as nails. I could never remember her name, but she was tough as nails. I liked her. And she had some funny lines. Like, her, her, you know, her delivery was good. But I'm like, good. I'm glad they killed her off because that's that shows the show 
is ready to kick ass. You know, it's it's not going to play by the rules. Yeah, it's showing the it's, stakes. I mean, I know we've had some crew member deaths before, but they're they're fairly few and far between, and they've you know they hit the ground running with this. They really did. They established her as a pretty important member of the crew. Like end of episode three, she's Lorca's you know right hand uh, gal. You know, yeah. she was like, yes, it'll get doing the black ops of getting her the beast in the first place. And now she's ripped to shreds and, um, you know, and, and Lorca, you know, he was, he, he kind of like, he didn't like roll his eyes, but he was like, Oh, let her death cannot be in vain. Like, you know, I, I, I get the impression like Burnham said, like, you know, your, your girl just went nuts in there. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I tried to stop it. And Nothing I can do. And, you know, he wasn't too upset. Like, I think she, he got the – I think he kind of knew the drill that, that – maybe he feels guilty a little bit. I don't know that he put – Yeah, because he clearly but. forced that. I mean, you can see uh, – you've seen several times now that how he's manipulated his crew into, uh, you know, emotional places uh, to, to get what he wants. Like, Oh, God, uh, yeah, the thing playing the audio. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, it, it definitely worked. I mean, you know, you can see the look on everybody's faces. They're like, wow, you know, if we don't do this, these people are all dead. And our, there goes half of our supply of dilithium crystals, so which is a you know huge deal for the war effort. So yeah, that's it's kind of dark, but um, it was effective. Yeah, no, he is he is an effective leader, albeit not a very uh, a, a one of questionable ethics for sure. But he, you know, very manipulative. Uh, the, you know w- the way he did with the audio, and also um, what he does with. Uh, wait, I jotted, I jotted this down a little bit. Um, Well, there was something else he did, they, the, the, and the way he manipulated statements by saying, "You know, yeah, you, you know, you can be remembered, or you can be forgotten, or you're going to be nothing." Yeah, um, you know what's interesting is that we Lorca's catchphrase is not that good. You know, Picard had engage. Yes, and make it so. Lork, yeah, Picard had make it so in the pilot of tng he had now hear this also picard yes. killed that after the pilot uh lorca has go <laughs> he <laughs> said it twice <laughs> like the first time he said go i'm like is that that's his engage that's his thing is go yeah, it to the but, point uh, it was so unmemorable to the point where i didn't even pick up on it oh his his word is go like that's not that's that's not one for t-shirts no you know? that's not one for uh that's you don't shout that out at a convention when you see uh, when you see this actor. You don't say go. Yeah, there there won't be go the official <laughs> Star Trek podcast anytime in the near future. No, no, there won't. <laughs> so that's one in the. Uh, I you know we've been doing a lot of praising of the writing staff. I think it's officially time to let to throw a disc bomb their way and say, guys, you go. That's their that's <laughs> his phrase. I mean, maybe it's they wanted to make it so gritty and so real. And like you know, Lorca is a man who doesn't care about catchphrases. You know, he just has, just has his eyes on the mission, and he doesn't care. So he, he's just going to say what's natural, and that's go. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Everything else about the ship is really cool. You got, for God's sake, you got guys with with black Delta shields on. That looks awesome. Yes, it you got did. black alerts for God's sakes. Which I guess we we know what those are now. Which means they're doing a spore jump or a spore test. They're doing a spore jump. Black <laughs> alert. Uh, you know, there was a blue alert on Voyager uh, when they go. They tried to do a, a weird landing. They tried to land on a on I forget when they got the blue alert, but it was something where they try to land on a on on the side of the planet under less than perfect uh, 
conditions. Circumstances. Yeah. yeah. Conditions. That's another thing. When they finally get to the, um, when they finally get to the, uh, uh, the planet, the um, colony, when they're trying to save it, uh, the the ship is like just kind of hovering not that far above the colony. I think some Star Trek fans they get a little nuts when sh- ships are in the atmosphere of a planet because I think for many, many, many years it was established that they couldn't do that. But then the recent movies did it. Well, Voyager did it, and it caused a blue alert that I just mentioned. Yeah. And then uh, the movies did it, particularly Into Darkness did it, and everybody went bananas about that. And then in the first episode, when they're on that, um, that you know, the, the, the prologue of the oh, first yes, episode. Oh, yes, and that, where the that, ship that desert planet. Yeah, that dumb scene that we should just forget about. That stupid <laughs> scene where they where they where they contact the ship by walking in a, in the shape of a delta signal. It's so ridiculous. Um, that uh, is another example. So I personally, I don't have an I don't have any uh, any uh, any bone to pick with that. Uh, I don't I don't know one way or the other. But I know that some fans get all get all nutty about that. The- I'm more nutty. I'm more nutty about putting nipple clamps on uh, on the starter grade to make the ship work. I don't quite understand how that works. Yeah, that was a little strange that they highlighted that. Uh, I, the question I had about the, uh, the the ship floating over the colony, um, they clearly did the second jump. Um, what came after the ship there that that blew up all the, the birds of prey? I was a little confused by that. Oh, I don't think when they mentioned they- it. When they left, they like threw out a bunch of like photon torpedoes or something. Okay, I mean they look. Oh, they mined the area. Big, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the, all the explosions in 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 the, in the sky. It was um, my interpretation was they he wanted the ships to get real close, and then he would vanish and and like mine the sky, and then they would all. I feel like up. that was a bit of a risky move. It means that they were so close to the colony. Like, what or if what if one of those missed and it hit the colony? I mean. Oh, that's a good point. Well, you know, that's why all those guys were busy plugging numbers away. You know, the woman True. with the metal face, that's what she was doing. She was adding up the the telemetry of the uh, blah, 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 blah to make sure that it would reach a 20-point mark, point six. You know, that's yeah. that's that's how it goes. Um, so, uh, you know, I want to start wrapping up here, but um, the other thing we should mention is uh, I, I dug when Laurel comes back to Vogue. And she's like, I'm going to take you to the matriarchs of Mokai. Yes. I'm like, what? I'm immediately like, what? This is like a coven of like elder Klingon, uh, you know, wise women. And I'm just like, what is this going to look like? This is going to be wild. So I hope that's that's in the next week's episode. Yeah, no, I it, it's, see- they definitely threw it through a curveball to me with the actions of the Klingons. And it's def- I'm definitely interested in it. Um, because uh, I was very confused about how they were gonna. I mean, I believed, I believe Laurel turned honestly, and uh, you know they they threw me for a loop at least. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, I was very curious about w- what that that matriarch of Mokai was, and you know the, the fact that he said you must sacrifice everything. So, um, I'm curious to see that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I have written down here another note. Uh, big Saru diss, uh, and he is not wrong. I forgot when, but Saru must have dissed her. Saru's always given her a diss, you know? It's yes. like, uh, he's he's pretty rough, you know? He he says what he means. He did have he's, a pretty uh, funny line, and I, I really can't remember what it was either, but it was something about something to burn him. Well, he said something about, like, when his when his threat ganglia were up, he was like, uh, he said something like, well, I hope uh, they haven't been wrong this thus far, or something like that. Like, I, I always trust him this far. The other funny thing was... Um, Speaking of disc bombs, I love this is like a line I'm going to use a lot. 
when uh, Cole comes back and he's at first you think he's going to kiss Vox ass a little bit. And he's like, please bring me back. You know, I want to I want to make peace with you. He gets down on his knee and then Vox like, please, no Klingon shall kneel before another blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I have hurled disrespect. I'm like, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see a Klingon hurl disrespect at one another. That was was a very interesting uh, scene because it was completely unexpected that it would happen and I should have known better that there would be a turnaround later on because uh, we had heard that he was a major antagonist. So, yeah, and not just that, um, the scene beforehand when when he's when they're in like the map room, the astrometrics astrometrics lab or whatever. Yeah. And and Vok is just like and he's got these gross nails and he's like carving light out of this three dimensional map room. And it just and it just was all pink and purple and green. And, you know, just it looked great. I had no idea what the hell was going on. But yeah, neither great, did I. You know? <laughs> and then he's like, I ate Michelle. Yo, like, oh, my God, <laughs> what is happening? Well, you know, Brian, this awesome show that we're talking about, Star Trek Discovery, is available in the United States, you know, in a very new way. It is? Yeah. If you live in Canada, you can watch it on Space Network. If you live elsewhere, you can watch it on the Netflix. But if you live here in the good old U.S. of A, if you live here in the good old USA, you're going to watch it in a new way, in a way that I think is working out pretty well so far. It's called CBS All Access. And if you spend six bucks a month... You can get access to uh, Star Trek Discovery the minute it comes out. By the way, 15 minutes early, two weeks in a row. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I texted you as soon as I started it, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is, is this supposed <laughs> to be 8 or 8.30? <laughs> right. It's, it usually drops at like 8.18 or yeah. so. Uh, 8.17, 8.18 uh, Eastern Time, and then 5.30 out on the West Coast. Um, I guess if you live in Hawaii, God knows when it drops. That That is technically that the is USA. Question, yeah. So. Um, but anyhow, um, CBS All Access gets you the new show, gets you every other Star Trek show ever, gets you a lot of legacy CBS programming. You know, you watch, you can watch old episodes of Cheers if you want. They have like a 300, 400, 500, however many episodes of Cheers are existence are in existence are on CBS All Access, plus the new shows like CSI and whatnot. And, uh, the good, uh, there's so many good shows now, the good. What is the Good Wife spinoff called? Um, I don't remember. The Good Fight. You know, there's a show. There's the Good Wife. There's the Good Fight. There's the Good Doctor and the Good. Oh boy, there's another good show. It's ridiculous right now. But the one that's good is the one that's affiliated with the Good Wife, and it's on CBS All Access. Yes, yeah, so like that was one of the discovery. first original shows that launched on the network. I yeah. believe. Yeah, we know it. So we clearly we haven't watched it yet, but it's very good. And you could also watch live CBS if you do, um, if you do, uh, what do you call it? If you're a cord cutter uh, and you want to watch, you know, whatever the football game is or later in the year, if you want to watch the news or (laughs) face the nation on a Sunday morning, you can watch CBS live through your CBS all access. The the bottom line is there's a lot more to do than Discovery, although clearly that's our priority here. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's six bucks a month uh, with the commercials. It's ten bucks a month without the commercials. Uh, Brian and I both do the six month. You know what? I don't mind doing it with the commercials because this is a very interactive show for me and the rest of the Star Trek community. So I fire it up, I hit play, and then when the commercials are on, I go on Twitter and make some, you know, I make some silly comments, <laughs> and then I come back to the show. I don't pay attention to the ads, you know. Yeah, the ads I, I was, awful. I was writing down notes during the commercial breaks. 
Yeah, whoever listens to ads are crazy. You should fast forward <laughs> them, right? No, no, of course not. Well, so can, anyway, that's but... <laughs> the deal. CVS All Access is sponsoring the show, and we love them. And so far, it's great. Four, they're four for four so far. Four for four in Discovery. Eventually, there'll be an episode I hate, and I'll be honest, but it hasn't happened yet. So listen, there's a lot to talk about. That's our first brain dump now. Uh, it's been uh, really just a few minutes. I'm probably going to watch it again um Maybe now, because my wife hasn't seen it yet, and she's been keeping up, and she'll probably notice all these things, and I'll, I wish I could have mentioned them. I love that Stamets did mention the Hawking Radiation Firewall. There's a nice shout-out to Star Trek alumni Stephen Hawking. And there's also that great kind of comedy smash cut, which is like straight out of, you know, straight out of like classic sitcoms, like, you know, the, the Honeymooners or something, when uh, Lorca says to the Admiral... Yes, we'll have this up and running, you know, in no time. Cut to Stamets. There's no way we can do this in, <laughs> you know, classic sitcom that, move, but it, it worked really that well. That ad will look very familiar to me, and I can't pinpoint who it is. I'm going to have to look that up later. She was, uh, you know, she seemed stern but fair. So that's the deal. Brian, any last thoughts on episode four? Uh, yes. Did you see the preview for the next episode? No. Oh, yes. There was a preview, uh, you know, right afterwards where we see, uh, we see, can I say it? Do you have a problem with that? Or No, tell me. Is sure. Rain, we see Rain Wilson? We do see Rain Wilson, and we see Captain Lorca get captured by the Klingons. So um, when you mentioned that point earlier on about the, the seafood uh, comparison, I was thinking, like, wow, maybe maybe there's something to that. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't watch it. Oh, Yeah, so Lorca we see, we see the Lorca go to a ship on his own, and he gets captured by the Klingons, and he gets experimented on, and he gets thrown in a cell with Harry Mudd. Whoa! So I'd heard that I'd heard that um, Harry Mudd is discovered in prison. Yes, that much I knew, but I did and not know the 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 vibe I got from Harry Mudd in the, in the brief seconds of uh, of this preview was that he's he's not going to be one and done. He's going to be in a number of episodes. I think he may stick around. Awesome, good, good, because Rain Wilson is great, and um, that's that's really cool. I did know. I did notice uh, this past week, uh, you know, New York Comic Con, where you were at, the Discovery had a huge panel, um, which I was not at, unfortunately. I was and then they also had, They had an event at the Paley Center, which I also wasn't at, but I did um, read some coverage of those two events. Uh, I read a report on uh, StarTrek.com about the Comic Con panel, which is thorough and has great photographs. You should check out StarTrek.com. And then also one of the Star Trek news sites, which was TrekNews.net. There's a couple of great uh, Star Trek uh, news sites in addition to StarTrek.com. TrekNews.net is great, and TrekCore is the other one. TrekCore is just amazing. TrekCore is really cool. Uh, just the whole legacy of Star Trek and great images, and I've been big fans of TrekCore for, for years and years and years. Um, but anyway, uh, I did see that in their recap, they mentioned that one of the producers, I believe it was Gretchen Berg, uh, the, one of the few producers that I haven't personally met, uh, but Gretchen Berg did make a reference to the fact that we are going to see other characters from canon appear on this show. Interesting. At some point. It's not just Sarek. It's not just Harry Mudd. At some point, and maybe she's talking season two. I don't know. But anyway, keep your eyes peeled. Or And maybe she just means the Gorn skeleton that's back there. Yes, which is very prominent in uh, one of the shots in the in that, in, right. in Lorca's war room, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Gorn skeleton and the Cardassian voles and whatnot. Oh, you know, I've never been much of a tech aficionado with uh, the weaponry. 
but there's that one shot when uh, Burnham goes into uh, that room, you know, Lorca's den of iniquity, and there's a shot of like batleths and all sorts of disruptors and phasers and phase cannons and all kinds of weapons. And I would imagine that uh, people are going to be picking those apart and saying, this is Romulan tech, this is Cardassian tech, blah, blah, blah. To me, I recognize the Batleths. Uh, they were the new Batleths, but uh, I didn't really do it. Uh, I haven't had a chance to like do a freeze frame. Yeah, that's definitely, yet, definitely but, something to freeze frame later on. Yeah, there's, there's definitely going to be some cool stuff in that. Well, we'll talk about that next week. So until then, everybody, thanks again for listening. Uh, thanks for watching uh, and exploring Star Trek Discovery with us. Um, just a little sneak peek since next week is the week that, uh, it, it appears thanks to Brian's, uh, eagle eye watching the, the, uh, preview. If, uh, Harry Mudd is in next week's episode, uh, at some point next week, we'll run our Rain Wilson interview, which we had in the bank, um, under the, under the understanding that we wouldn't run it until the episode aired. So, uh, some point after next Sunday, maybe next Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll run that episode too. And, uh, also See? I read in the news that we'll be getting an extra episode this year rather than next year. So we'll be getting, uh, nine now and six next year. Whoa, whoa. This just in my yes. mind. You did a spore drive in your, my head, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome alright so cool uh, so thanks again for listening and uh, if you want to please if you want to discuss this week's go to our wall at facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast that's facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast or you can hit me up on Twitter that's at Jay Hoffman at Jay Hoffman J-H-O-F-F-M-A-N Brian remains a non-Twitter gentleman <laughs> perhaps for the better so if you want any want to get any messages to him you, you gotta go through me but uh Thanks again, and we'll talk to you again next week. is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.